Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. That's a lesson from last week, that joy is a choice not predicated on circumstances. All right, this week, this week, this week, uh, we're going we're gonna to tap into something else that God promises is available to us here and now at Christmas. Amen? Because we want your Christmas to be merry and bright. So we learn that if my Christmas is going to be merry and bright, I have to choose joy. Uh, uh, here, here's, here's the second thing. If your Christmas is going to be bright, here it is, here it is. You've got to choose peace. Uh, you've got to choose peace. In fact, the title of my message this morning is simple, simply this, and you, 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 you stole my thunder, but, 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 but all, all I want for Christmas is peace. All I want for Christmas, dot, 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 is peace. So our anchor text, our anchor text uh, for today is lifted from Luke The second chapter, beginning at verse number 8, we'll read verses 8 through 14. You can follow along on version. The notes are available on version, Or you can just follow along uh, on the screens. But for those of you who are old school like me, I know y'all got your Bible sitting on your lap. And y'all got it cracked open to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to dive. Oh, man, nothing more beautiful than the turning of pages. Y'all do that for me one more time. Those who got Bibles, just, just turn some pages. Oh, I remember that sound. Y'all remember that sound of my old school church people? Yeah, now y'all clicking phones and iPads. And, but just that sound, it's rare, just the turning of pages. Just the scene of Bible that's worn out, that you got to send to get rebound. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Come on, Miss Pat, keep doing that right there. On the front row. <laughs> Sounds so good. Music to my ears. Amen. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. If you're there, say Amen. Uh, the narrative begins in verse number eight with these words. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. This is, in fact, the first Noel. And behold, suddenly, unexpectedly, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly Afraid. Uh, that's typical response when something we don't understand, expect, anticipate happens in our lives. Our first response is often fear. Uh, one of the most common phrases in all of Scripture is these three words, four words, do not be afraid. In fact, often when God visited his people or visited his servants, the first words out of God's mouth Although angel of the Lord was often, do not be afraid. Can I just, can you just receive that this morning? Regardless of what you might be going through, navigating, uh, what might be creating anxiety and anxious thoughts in your heart and mind. Can we just receive those four words from the Lord, not from Pastor Ray? Simply to say, do not be afraid. He wants your Christmas to be merry and bright. And I know that there are so many things that can overwhelm us at Christmas, and most of them are legitimate. Notice what I said. Most of them are legitimate. Because a whole lot of stuff we worry about is stuff that's just imagined. 
that ain't even going to happen. But even for the stuff that is real, that's not imagined, even if it's something that you're experiencing now, the word of the Lord to you is do not be afraid. Even when you're facing things that are uncertain, that are unexpected. Oh, here it is. And things that are outside of your control. Hey, we live in a generation of control freaks. And the only thing that brings us joy and peace is knowing that we in control. But there are seasons of life, such as the one we're reading about, where God shows up. And he is the great disruptor. Great disruptor. And he brings us into a season and he brings us into a place where we have to take our hands off the wheel, off the reins, and trust him. And his first words to us is, baby, do not be afraid. That's the word of the Lord to somebody this morning. And the scripture continues with these words. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, notice, Advent, the appearing of Christ brings something with it. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? Because I bring you, I deliver to you good news, good tidings of what? Great joy. Christmas is not supposed to be a frustrating, overwhelming time. Because when the angel showed up, he said, look, I got good news for you, and it's going to bring you great joy. Can I, may I just submit this to you, City Church? Uh, that the farther we move away from the reason for the season, the more anxiety we experience. But the closer we get to Jesus... And the reason Jesus came, the more we experience good tidings of great joy. May I submit to you that when we lose our way and we begin to deviate, that's when the frustration begins to set in. But the closer we get, uh, like Damon exhorted us, all I want for Christmas is Jesus. All I want is your presence, that your presence is the best present I could receive. The closer we get to it, the more we begin to experience his joy. Notice what he says, good tidings of great joy, which will be to a select few that I choose. No, good tidings of great joy to all people. Just to, uh, tap your heart like this and say, that's me. This promise belongs to you. Not just a trickle of joy, great joy. When was the last time you just had a good big old belly laugh? When was the last time you thought about Christmas and you just rejoiced? Because that's what Christmas should induce in us. Joy, great joy. Listen to me. But he comes and he brings joy, but not just joy. Notice what he says next. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Listen to me. And this will be the sign to you. Hey, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in 
a manger. Listen to me. This is, this, this is messing with me. Because I got a problem with what the angel's saying. Because what the angel is saying ain't matching the circumstances. He's saying that the birth of the Savior, the advent of the Savior is supposed to bring great joy. Yet we have a teenage mom and her soon-to-be husband with no place to lay their child except a manger, except a feeding trough. I got a problem with that because look, if, if, if Jesus, if Christmas is supposed to be happy, I want my baby in a crib in a 30th floor, 30th floor condo in Turtle Creek. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing joyous about my baby being born in a manger with a whole bunch of stinky animals. Jesus, or I'm sorry, Father, this ain't funny. You said the birth of my son would bring great joy. Ain't nothing funny about this right here, Jesus. I'm talking about those of us who might be experiencing something at Christmas that seems a little different than what God promised. Listen to me. I'm talking about a teenage mom who has to deal with the fact that babies all around her are being killed because Herod is trying to find her baby. Jesus, ain't nothing happy, ain't nothing joyous or peaceful about that. To the point that they have to flee and hide in Egypt until the infanticide passes. These are things we miss in the story of Jesus. These are things we miss when it comes to living out and fulfilling the plan of God. That sometimes you can find yourself smack dab in the middle of the will of God and everything around you seems to be falling apart. And God says, the advent of this child will bring great joy to all people. Yet his mama is on the run and got nowhere to lay the baby. I'm talking about a young woman who finds out from the angel that she is going to be the mother of Messiah. The scripture doesn't say this explicitly, but there is an inference in John, uh, John I'm sorry, Luke uh, Luke chapter 2, where the scripture says, Mary leaves her house and she goes and stays with her cousin Elizabeth. Now, what teenage mom would leave the care of a nurturing mother to go stay with her cousin? You know what that scripture infers? It infers that maybe mama wasn't too happy when Mary said, Mama, I'm having this baby. We miss that in the text. That means if my Christmas is going to be merry and bright, I have to choose. I have to choose to believe that even though right now life is confusing, it makes absolutely no sense. I have to choose that I heard from God and I'm in the middle of the will of God. And if the angel says, do not be afraid that this child will bring great joy, even though my life is falling apart, somehow, this is all going to make sense. 
Because faith must be walked out moving forward, but it can only be understood looking back. Y'all miss what I said? When God invites us to walk by faith, he invites us to take steps going forward that we will never understand until he has finished what he's doing and we look back. Life can only be understood looking back over what God has done. Yet he calls us to walk by faith moving forward when we don't understand. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? If you find yourself in a situation right now, he said Jesus promised joy, but I'm not experiencing the joy of the Lord right now. You're in good company. Neither was Mary, neither was Joseph. Am I making this up or is this in the Bible? So the angel goes on and he says, and suddenly, so one angel shows up and then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. Listen to me and on earth, peace. Listen, this is the promise of Christmas, not just good tidings of great joy that belongs to you at Christmas time, but he also says on earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. This is the promise of Christmas. That you can experience the joy of the Lord and you can experience the peace of God at Christmas. Now, what does that mean? Here we go. Because, like joy, I believe that peace is also a choice. We have to choose peace. And that's why Paul, the apostle, writes, I believe it's in Thessalonians, pursue peace. The pursuit of peace is a choice. So here we go. I'm going to talk about the the choice of peace and what that looks like in our lives personally. Here it is. If your Christmas is going to be merry and bright, here it is, here it is. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. If your Christmas is going to be merry and bright, choose peace. Hey, listen to me. People have the ability to bring us the greatest joy in life, but people also have the capacity to bring us the greatest amount of angst. It's almost like people can't live with them, can't live without them. So what do you do? Same people that make you laugh, make you cry. So what do you do? I can't take charge of what's going on in your house, your life. I, I can be responsible for me. And this Christmas, I will have a merry and bright Christmas because I choose peace. I choose to walk in what Jesus promised or the angel promised all men. Notice what it says, and on earth. Not in the sweet bye-bye, but in the bitter and hard here and now. We can have peace. So, so here's the choice. Because again, peace 
usually revolves, it's not the only, the only, the only factor, but it usually revolves around our interpersonal relationships. The thing that often robs us of our peace is when I have to deal with other humans. So, one way, he says, we can experience peace at Christmas is right here, Romans 12, 18. Notice what it says. He says, if it is possible. Number two, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with the people you like. He said, live peaceably with who? Y'all say this with me. Live peaceably with everybody. But let's back the truck up a little bit. What are the first three words of that verse? If it, not three, four. If it is possible. Now, if if you reverse engineer what he's saying, he's simply saying, it's not always possible. However, as much as it depends on me, I'm going to live peaceably with all men. So what he's saying is, if the relationship, if the friendship ain't working, make sure it's not because of you. Isn't that what it's saying? As much as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all men. Woo, baby. I'm just getting started. So, so uh, uh, this week, I'm going to give you this uh, because I think it's going to help you. Because when I saw it, it helped me immeasurably. So I was on social media, and a friend of mine that I haven't seen or talked to for a while posted something on Facebook. And again, some of you may have seen it. Uh, but when I saw it, I was preparing for my message And I saw it, it just resonated with me. Just three things. Three actions to take. Three actions to take that will ensure that your Christmas is merry and bright as much as it depends on you. Let me tell you something. Pastor Wendy and I have been in full-time ministry for a number of years. We've sat across people, done a whole lot of counseling. This is what most people say. This is what most people say without saying it. This is what they say. I'm talking about married folk without saying it. I will submit to him if he starts to love me as Christ loved the church. Then the husband says, I will love her as Christ loved the church if she submit to me. How about y'all both pump the brakes and you do what you're supposed to do, which is submit, and I'll do what I'm supposed to do, which is to love you like Christ loved the church. This is what most people do. It's like a chicken or an egg. Who's going to go first? Because if you do your part, then I'll do my part. How about you just do your part? Are y'all listening to me? And here at City Church, that word submission is not a dirty word because we celebrate women in leadership. We celebrate the gifts that God has given women. It's just a matter of, of God's order because anything with two heads is a freak. A two-headed snake. A two-headed shark. It's a freak. 
And with God's divine order comes tremendous responsibility. It's not that God say, okay, uh, man, you lord over your wife and you trample on her. No, 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 no. It is a responsibility not to be taken lightly. It is a responsibility not to be taken lightly. Because you are now responsible for however your house look like. If your house in turmoil, listen to this. God shows up in the Garden of Eden, who he asked for. He said, Eve, where are you? He said, Adam, where are you? What's going on in your house, bro? Your house is out of order. And you're responsible for it. And you're responsible for it. So when the scripture talks about submission, it is about, it is, it, it is about divine order. It is not about the value of a woman. It is about divine order. And for us knucklehead men, submission in the Bible is not about your lordship over a woman. It is about your leadership. That's Bible. Breathe, so I'm going to jump in. You, you took a pause. Okay. Chill. Don't. Right. <laughs> She's using my stuff against me. <laughs> Baby. I gave right, it, I like ahead. counted to 10, but did you? Okay. This is this is an encouragement. This is what our faith is about. This is what our relationship with Christ is about. It is not my responsibility to withhold or to be ugly to Ray because of what he's not doing. It's my responsibility to do what I'm supposed to do and lean into God to take care of Ray. Because he can handle it much better than I can. Ask me how I know. I've tried to do it myself before. <laughs> and so that's where this thing where we have to, there have been, it's been years, but there have been seasons in our marriage when I've just straight up, after I did all the wrong things. Let me, I'm the poster child of what not to do when you get married, but I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. But there have been times when I have asked the Lord, do you see me? Do you see me? Like, for real, I need you to get your boy. Do you see me? And he's never been one to lord over. And you all have heard the testimony when we first started church, how I said, you know, it was a very lonely place because his energies were going to the church. Well, that's not anything. If we stand up, and, and this is not only for marriage, so if you're single, don't don't tune us out. This works with your boss. It works with relationships with people around you, your landlord, anybody. But if I fight my way to win his affection or his attention, I'm actually being counterproductive. You can't be ugly to someone and then expect them to love on you. You become a repellent. That is unattractive. It is not attractive. And so when it comes to any relationship, I've done that with, with bosses. When I felt like, hey, this is not fair. What is going on? And I really liked my check. So I'm not that person. You know, some people don't mind going to their boss and, and 
and just exploding. That has not ever been my style, but I've had to go to the Lord. Do you see this? I need some justice with this. And I had a situation uh, the last job when I was at the preschool. I actually turned in my two-week notice. I didn't need Ray's permission. I had just had enough. I gotten cussed out by a preschool three-year-old teacher. Like, cussed out. I'm like, I'm from the hood, and I ain't never been cussed out in my face. And this was like the third time I had been cussed out. I was like, these people are coming for my witness because that was my offering as we were starting the church. I was like, they don't really know. I'm like going to resurrect that old Ypsilanti Wendy and just let them know. But then, you know, you really can't preach Jesus when you're just acting wild and out and everything. And so I told Ray, I'm quitting this job. I need to maintain a witness. I can't, I, I have reached my pain threshold. I'm not about to do this for some preschool pay. I was a director, but it's still a director at the preschool. You know, I'm not like Harvard University president. I was like, uh-uh, I'm not even really, I'm not able. I'm not willing. I have reached it. Boom. I, I've endured. So this was like September 14th. I had the best resignation notice and I turned it into my boss and we, I had a good relationship. It was privately owned and he was like, I need you. I need you to stay till I find somebody else. I was like, this is not fair. Like, I followed all the 12 steps to look like a good little Christian girl in my heart. Lord, have mercy. And I, and, but it was, guess what I did? I stayed till December. I finished out the year. And it actually had nothing to do with the boss needing me. He, he said he needed me to stay. They have not cut the, shut the place down. I, this was 2014. But the Lord used him. I needed to stay because I needed to serve and work out forgiveness in my heart. Because I was director, I had to serve that staff. And so had I left there, I would probably be disqualified in some of my leadership because I had to, that was not my submission to my boss. That was my submission to the Lord. That was living peaceably. That was what my granddaddy Levi taught me. Don't burn bridges. You never know when you have to cross them. That was me having personal integrity when he asked me to stay. And I, I'm telling you, my goodness, that was the hardest thing for me. And, and it was really only outward at first, but because I had to act in a certain way, it became my heart's cry. It's like, okay, just love people. You're not perfect. Learn to serve. This ain't even your girlfriend. Who cares? Let the Lord. So I've learned how to step aside and let the Lord deal with injustice. Now, she didn't get fired. I ended up leaving in December. She didn't even come to my little Christmas. Neither one of them came to my little going away Christmas party, whatever. But I can speak about the word of God with a certain level of integrity because I had to walk it out before I ever got in this seat. I had to walk this thing out. So that submission and finding peace, my peace didn't come because they were treating me a certain way. And I thought everybody was just going to like me. I was wearing all my church clothes on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I just thought, oh, they would just, and they didn't. And I had to deal with who are you going to be? 
And are you going to be what you're supposed to be regardless of all of this feeling? So no, I was just, just to wrap that up. It, it depends on our faith. It goes back to the heart of who we are called to be in Christ is that our peace sometimes does not come because of circumstances. Sometimes you've got to chase that peace down and say, snatch it. You belong to me yeah. and I'm going to hold on to Good. it. I'm going to do my part. I really wish I could have seen the Lord do some things. You know, I just really want him to, you know, get some people. I never saw that. And he just had to say, stay in your lane. But at the end of it, two years later, my boss, since that old boss sent me a text, he said, Miss Harmon, you were right. Because I was telling him, don't allow need to dictate your culture. Just because you need a teacher, don't let these people come up here and do all of this kind of stuff. That's well, good. two years later, he said, you were right. This particular teacher, she quit. He said, and when I walked in this building, the atmosphere change because I was saying this thing is spiritual you gotta at least I stayed after one day anointed the whole building I just and prayed over one more other little girl we just came and we prayed and anointed and I just held some things at bay and so for me I think the Lord was just saying you just do your part even when he called back two years later I wasn't thinking about them the Lord showed me a lesson it wasn't an aha moment like I told you for me it was a an affirmation Wendy do your part. I will take care of the rest. I let Good. you see the end of this one. I'm not going to always let you see the end of the thing. Good. So in getting peace, do your part and have faith that God will take care of the rest. So good. Say this with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say this with me. As much as it depends on me, I will live peaceably with all men. All right, we're going to go fast and furious. So check this out. I'm online. I'm online to, uh, uh, earlier this week or last week. And I saw this post from my friend. I hadn't seen him in a number of years, but he, 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 he had this post on Facebook. And I read it. resonated with me. I was in the middle of preparing for my sermon. Uh, this is, check this out. This is, how, this is how we can begin to live peaceably with all men. And make sure not just that Christmas is merry and bright, but all of our days are merry and bright. Y'all ready for it? Simple piece of advice. Uh, this is really the crux of the message. This is, what it, this is what he posted. He said, the first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. And the first to forget is the happiest. Listen to me. The first to apologize is the bravest. How many of you realize to say, I'm sorry, requires courage? And that's why people live for years and decades with severed relationships because nobody has the courage to say, I'm sorry, first. And we can skirt around it. We can pretend it doesn't exist. But how many of you realize, you've heard me say it before, you can't hide stink. You just show up and something just stinking. You know why? Because the first to apologize is the bravest. Do I have the courage? I'm talking to people in this room who haven't spoken to so-and-so in years. You know why? Because you're waiting for them to call you. Because... Being the first to pick up the phone to say, I'm sorry, 
requires a little bit more courage than I'm willing to offer right now. Now, y'all know men. We got this thing called an ego. We be tripping. In fact, the, most, the more successful we are, the more ego we have to manage. So there were two best friends. Two best friends. Both NBA Hall of Famers. In fact, they were so tight that whenever they saw each other, these two grown men, multi-millionaires, whenever they saw each other, they would greet each other with a kiss. Like right here. Hey, man. I hold up, pump the brakes. I see, I see all the men like, what's that? But that's what the Bible says. Greet each other with a holy kiss. A holy kiss. Single people, a holy. It didn't just say greet each other with a kiss. Holy. A sanctified, consecrated kiss. So yeah, they would dap each other man like, but then something happened. They played each other in the NBA Finals, 1988 and 89. And it was so competitive, so competitive, so competitive that this beef started. It started talking trash to each other, but then it, it, it started to deteriorate. And then in 1981, one of them made a very public announcement that he, what did I say? Man, 1991. Thank you, bro made this public announcement that he was HIV positive. And as a result of that, depending on whose side you own, uh, the one who had made the announcement felt that his friend wasn't there for him because he knew him better than anybody else knew him. And all the rumors were circulating this best friend of his said nothing. Isn't that what Dr. King said? He said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And the problem for Magic Johnson wasn't what Isaiah Thomas was saying, it's what, it's what, it was what he wasn't saying. And so in 1992, when they were putting together the dream team, Guess who admitted that he was actively campaigning against Isaiah being on that team? The guy who was his best friend. In fact, it's written in his book. He co-authored a book with Larry Bird and Jackie McMullen, who was with Sports Illustrated at the time. And in the book, Michael, uh, Magic Johnson said, yeah, I was one of the guys who campaigned. Now, think about it, the greatest team of all time. The only player, the only player of that era who was supposed to be on that team who didn't make that team was Isaiah Thomas. I mean, Christian Leitner was on the dream team. Don't, but I'm just saying something, though. How do you go from being best friends to the point where this guy who was once your best friend has an opportunity to play on the greatest team and you actively campaign against him being on the team? When was this? This was 91, 92. We're going to roll a clip, and let's go ahead and kill the lights because I've got to say this, and we've got to see this. These are two grown men who haven't spoken to each other 
since 1992. And they sit across from each other for the first time in 2018. How many years is that? 26. I heard somebody say 28. Somebody said 30. Y'all <laughs> help about. Yeah, y'all help about Lord Jesus. <laughs> Make sure they ain't counting the offering. <laughs> Make sure. <laughs> Count the offering today. <laughs> All right, let's roll that first clip. So um, I'm trying to figure out how to do this. This is their first face-to-face -face meeting in 26 years. One-on-one, -on -one, Isaiah comes to Magic's Turf. They make small talk, and I think it's a little bit easier because sometimes time can make it a little bit easier to talk about these things. But I wanted to show this second clip and then we'll wrap up the message uh, because this is the point where we talk about the first thing, which is the first to apologize is the bravest. Let's roll that second clip. Amen. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. One of the reasons I wanted to show you uh, that video is because if we're honest with ourselves, we may have a Magic Johnson or an Isaiah Thomas in our lives. And I think what the Lord wants to say, and will you can come, I think what the Lord wants to say to us in this season is don't wait 26 years to make it right. It's not worth it. The first to apologize is the bravest. If you, if you, some of you may have caught this, but when Magic uh, 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 started talking about how the interview came together, he said, my mama, my dad, my brother, everybody, they were like, you got to do this. Everybody was waiting for them to reconcile. Life is too short to wait 26 years to say I'm sorry. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, if your, if your Christmas is going to be merry and bright, for some of you, this may not apply to everyone, but if your Christmas is going to be merry and bright, maybe this is the year that you summon the courage to say I'm sorry. Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24 it says, these are the words of Jesus, these are the words in red. He said, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. What was Jesus saying? Say, I know you brought this gift. I know you brought this worship. I know you're going through the motions. I know you're going to church. You're doing the church thing. But you know your brother has ought against you. Before we go any further with what you're doing at this altar, leave this gift here, run, and go make it right. Because what you put on the altar has no value 
until you make it right with your brother. These are the words of Jesus. Because the first to apologize is the bravest. And for some who may have unreconciled differences with your Magic Johnson, with your Isaiah Thomas, maybe this, maybe this is the year that you invite them to Christmas dinner again. Second thing in that quote, hmm? no, I'm going to go fast and I'll wrap it up. So Samuel Johnson says this. He says, never trust your tongue when your heart is bitter or broken. Hush until you're healed. Never trust your tongue when your heart is broken. And for 26 years, man, both of these men had broken hearts. I can only imagine what they said about each other during that time. God wants us to heal. And the thing that will begin the work of healing in us is you be the first to apologize. You leave your gift at the altar. It means absolutely nothing to God. It is a stench in his nostrils until you reconcile to your brother. Am I making this up? That's what the Lord wants from us. We should probably pick this up next week. It is. I'll just finish it. Number two, he says, he says, the first to forgive is the strongest. So this Christmas, if your Christmas is going to be merry and bright, you be strong and forgive. Your strength is not in your inability to forgive. That's weakness. The strength is being able to say, I forgive you. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 23 and 24, Jesus is teaching about mountain-moving faith. He says, man, you can speak to this mountain and this mountain will be moved. What we often ignore is the very next verse. Let me tell you what the very next verse says. In the middle of talking about mountain-moving faith, notice what Jesus says in Matthew, I mean Mark eleven twenty-five. 25. He says, and when you stand praying, your mountain-moving faith prayers, <laughs> if you have anything against anyone, you better forgive him, that your Father in heaven may forgive you. Unanswered prayers. We ask God, well, Lord, why won't the mountain move? It ain't going to move until you forgive him. And I can't forgive you. These are the words of Jesus. Until you forgive them. I'm not making this up. These are the words of Jesus. Let me read them again. While you start, while you stand praying your bigger, better, bolder prayers, while you start praying your prayers for uncommon clarity and accelerated manifestation, while you're praying those prayers and you realize you have unforgiveness in your heart, stop all that praying, baby, and forgive them. Because if you don't forgive them, I can't forgive you. 
Most of us lose sight of what's at stake because of our unforgiveness. And that's why someone said, when we forgive, we set two prisoners free. First myself, and then the person I've held in unforgiveness. Be strong this Christmas and forgive them. Number three, ah, here it is. Those who forget are the happiest. You see how these guys were laughing when they got together? And started talking about all the good times they had? Sometimes you have to forget the painful parts of the story, of your history. Move beyond it. Listen to me, that's why Proverbs 19.11 says, a person's wisdom yields patience. Listen to me, it is to one's glory to do what? Overlook an offense. Hey, I think I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes right here. Because we live in a world and a culture that is so easily offended. You can't say nothing to nobody. You can't look at nobody, no way. If you don't shake their hand and hug them and kiss them and smile and turn them around and tell them how beautiful they are, how precious they are, how beautiful their kids are. If you don't go to every party, every graduation, they're going to get offended at you. Never mind, you went to seven out of ten things. I've got a life too. My life does not revolve around you. And if you forget a birthday, and you send the text a day later, not in mad. Notice what the scripture says. It is your glory. It is my glory. That word is the same word translated glory of God. It is the Hebrew word kabod. Your weightiness. Your substance. Your substance. Your weightiness. Your maturity is measured by your ability to overlook an offense. But most of us walking around, we too light. Ain't no weight to you. Because the moment somebody says one thing, you're going to take offense to it. That word overlook, you know what that word means? It means to pass by, to walk around. That means when somebody says something that you don't care for, be big enough, be mature enough to walk around it. But this is what most of us do. We sit in it, we camp in it, and we live there. And the scripture says you are lightweight. What reveals your glory is your ability to overlook an offense. So be happy this Christmas and let it go. Let it go. Here's the last verse I'm going to give you. I can stay here a whole lot longer. Listen to me. Psalm 119, 165. God wants you to be merry and bright this Christmas. Let go of that offense. Yeah, it didn't come when you invited him. Let it go. How much longer are you going to sit in that puddle of offense? Your glory is to overlook it, to walk around it, to cross over it. Psalm 119, verse 165. Notice what it says. It says what? Great peace have they which love thy law. And notice what it says. Ain't nothing going to offend them. And part of the word people, reason people get so easily offended is this Bible is collecting dust. The reason you're so easily offended is because you ain't got no word in you. 
You ain't got nothing to sustain you. That's why you get offended because you don't know Proverbs. What Proverbs says is, overlook it, baby. So you get offended. How do I have great peace? I've got to love God's word. And what God words, God's word says about blessed are the merciful for they'll find mercy. When I have the word of God, blessed are the peacemakers. When I have the word of God in my heart, I will not be as easily offended as I am. And notice what the scripture says, it is possible to live without offense. It says, and nothing shall offend them because their peace is great because they love God's word. And the reason most people still stuck for 26 years is because they don't know what the word of God says about mercy Listen to me, don't know what the word says about grace. If most of us realize that Jesus said, if you don't forgive them, I ain't going to forgive you. In fact, if most of us realize, the pe- let me just say this, and I'm going to close right here. The reason most of us struggle with forgiveness is because we have forgotten how much we've been forgiven. If you just stop for a minute and begin to think about how much you have been forgiven, it'll make it so much easier for you to cross over that offense. And that's why Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and tenderhearted. Be kind and tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, listen to me, just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. This Christmas, Jesus saying, forgive them just as I have forgiven you. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. You desire that our Christmas would be merry and bright, but you've put the ball back in our court. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at citychurchtv.com. If you are encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.